14 of the book of Zechariah. Zechariah 14. I just want to say a few words before we get there. What a, what a wonderful study it has been up to this point. What a uh, God-honoring statement the prophet, the preacher Zechariah made. He is a preacher of righteousness just like Noah. He's preaching the righteousness of Christ and just like all the other writers that we have of the Old Testament, they were preaching Christ and Him crucified. Those sacrifices that were made were reminders of believers that their Messiah would go through this. That He is, He would be uh, crucified, He would be put to death for their sin. The uh, Zechariah, as well as all the other Old Testament prophets, were speaking by the Spirit. Christ is the Spirit of prophecy. So I just want to divert your attention for just a moment over to the book of Revelation. Revelation, the last book there, chapter 19, and we have this statement made about our Savior. So when we read that, the, as the Lord said, Moses wrote of me, we have this mentioned to us in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, or excuse me, chapter 19 and verse 10, these words about that, what the Old Testament was about. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of the brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So from Moses to Malachi, we have those men of God. They were raised up for a purpose. They were raised up on purpose. And they were raised up to preach the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have it in type and shadow and picture. And in the New Testament, we have it all brought out how it was going to be fulfilled just according to promise. The reason the prophets of God were raised up was to declare Christ, Christ and his ministry, Christ. And, and we find that uh, they all had this to say, someone is coming. I really appreciated what Brother Henry shared with me at that time. Such a simple outline of the Bible. Someone's coming, someone's here, and someone is coming back. Well, these prophets spoke of that. Genesis to Malachi, someone is coming. And through those 400 years from Malachi up to uh, the uh, birth of John and then the Lord Jesus, they continue to share that. Even though that we don't have the written record of it, they continue to share that the Messiah is coming. And as we go through the book of Zechariah chapter 14, let's remember and go back with me to the book of Zechariah chapter 1. The book of Zechariah chapter 1, a wonderful verse is mentioned here that we looked at so long ago, not that long ago I guess, but in Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 16, we have these words, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. And we're going to read a lot in chapter 14 about in the punishment that he is going to mete out to the enemies of the church. But here for the church, he's returning to the church, he's returning to Jerusalem, and he says here, with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth 
upon Jerusalem. So he's sharing with us in this verse of scripture the rich blessings of grace, the rich blessings of the purchase that the Lord will make when he goes to the cross. I pray that we will examine this 14th chapter of the book of of Zechariah with this in mind. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, it would not it would not harm us if we said that as we began reading the book of Genesis or Exodus or Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy or any other of the Old Testament books or the New Testament books the revelation of Jesus Christ the revealing of Jesus Christ the enlightening that we have from Jesus Christ this revelation of Jesus Christ is certainly going to be brought out here as it has way all the way through the book of Zechariah so far. The revelation of Jesus Christ in many aspects. The preaching of Christ and Him crucified. The righteousness of Christ. And we find as we follow through this book of Zechariah chapter 14 that there's something said about this when we look at it from a contrary standpoint. Now I don't know how many commentaries I read, they just couldn't have had it right. If we base our end-time theology on the, the lack of God being able to do what He said He would do, let's just back up and say, we have it a wrong, not a right. <laughs> we have it a wrong. We read two or three times on Sunday that all the promises that God ever promised Israel were fulfilled. Joshua mentions it twice. Solomon mentions it in his great prayer on the dedication of that temple. And we find out that if we don't have it aright, we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. And we find by, uh, and I'm not saying that this is our problem, but natural man does not see the things of God. And I've read some commentaries, and I'm sure that the real problem with them is they were looking at it with the natural eye. They had a natural inclination. They were looking at it from a natural standpoint, and we need to look at it and pray to God that he would help us to look at it from a spiritual standpoint. There's no benefit in just a historical account. There's benefit in seeing Christ and what he has done for the church. His promises will be fulfilled in Zechariah as well as in Matthew. His promises will be fulfilled. The the church still has problems understanding that verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, things of the spirit of God, For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, to have full grasp of that, I probably won't get it completely until I'm in the presence of my Savior. The the totality of that, we speak to our friends, we speak to our neighbors, we speak to our relatives and wonder, why can't they see this? And then we have to go back to this verse of Scripture. And yet, 
Sometimes we say, why can't they see this? So it's a wonderful thing to have the Spirit of God testifying to us that these prophets of old were writing about Christ. They had the message of Christ. They were telling us of natural man's condition. They were telling us of the the, uh, manner and means of how the Lord God Almighty would take care of the natural man's conditions, those that he had chosen Christ before the foundation of the world. And we find as we travel through the Old Testament that this message is going to continuously come out. We have a problem God is the answer to the problem. He has it already figured out. He's not leaving it up to us to figure it out or to come to some conclusion and then accept it. He's going to reveal himself to his people and then we truly are given the gift of faith to believe the word of God. The, uh, this seventh or 14th chapter of the book of, of Zechariah has truly been maligned. All you have to do is read a little bit about it and you find out it's truly been maligned. It is, uh, this chapter has been used to present hundreds of talks. I, I was watching two grandchildren on Sunday evening. My wife and daughter were gone. I finally, they got them into bed, they're asleep. I turned on the TV, go to Netflix, look up, Zechariah chapter 14, verse uh, 4. And there must be 150 or 200 different messages on that. And all of them that I listened to were incorrect because they want to put it in an eschatological view. And this is the sign of the end. Well, this is the sign of Christ. This is the glory of Christ for us found here in this book of Zechariah. This book of Zechariah, chapter 14 included, is going to share with us about an almighty God doing an everlasting work on the behalf of his eternal chosen people. And he is going to do it in a glorious manner that will honor him and bless the church. Everything that God does is going to honor God. He never will do anything that dishonors his name, dishonors his truth, dishonors his word. He will always honor himself. And everything that he does is to be a blessing to the church. Now, sometimes we may not look at it from that standpoint, especially when we're going through some affliction. But he is going to honor his church. What does it say? If we don't get... Some from God, we are not children of God. I won't use the term the Bible does. You'll have to read it for yourself. All right. Zechariah 14 is the truth of the gospel. It is the highlight of this book. It is the glory that is brought out. I want to read a verse of scripture over in the book of... Before I read this, I want to go over... And read a verse of scripture in the book of Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. Now, this sets the tone for what we're going to find out when we go to the New Testament. This is a wonderful verse of scripture. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
You know what we're going to find out? Jesus told his disciples that Elijah has come and caused them to understand that it was John the Baptist. We'll read a verse of scripture there in just a moment about that. So if you read the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, if we were not setting our sights on the right thing, we'd be led, led astray and off here. Great and dreadful day. It's a great day for the saints, a dreadful day for the non-elect. And that's when Christ went to the cross and paid the due payment for his people. All right, let's go back here to this book of Zechariah, chapter 14. Zechariah, chapter 14, and we want to read this chapter. Zechariah, chapter 14, verses 1 through 21. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and they spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting to me to find out that Mount of Olives, Mount Zion, and Mount Moriah are clustered right together near Jerusalem. And if we took time right now to look at the significance of Mount Moriah, Mount Zion, and now Mount of Olives, we'd find out there's a gospel message on every one of them. It was Mount Moriah where Abraham was told to take his son up. And it's Mount Moriah where the temple was built. And Mount Zion is mentioned so often through the Psalms as a picture, a type, and a shadow of the church. God's redeemed ones. And now Mount of Olives. It's mentioned one other time in the Old Testament, Old Testament as the Mount of Olivet. And we're going to, we'll look at that eventually. And so often people look at this verse of scripture and say that this is the time of the rapture. Well, this morning I told Nancy, I said, I just had something slap me to the side of the head. This cannot be that because when Jesus Christ comes back for his sheep, we're going to meet him in the air. He doesn't need to touch down. <laughs> He's not going to touch this mountain and split it in half in a literal sense. We're going to look at this and see that it's a spiritual sense that he does that. He's going to make a way of escape. And Sunday, we read that verse of scripture where God is faithful always to make a way of escape for all of his people in any situation that he brings them into. Who is the way of escape for the church? Christ is the way of escape. Always the way of escape. So if we look at this from a spiritual standpoint, we're going to have to find out that Jesus Christ is pictured here doing something far beyond our thoughts or imagination because it's spiritual. And we're going to get away from the idea that this is speaking about the second coming of the Lord in that manner, that he has to come down here and make a way of escape for a bunch of people out into the wilderness He's already done that for the church. He's made our escape. He is our escape. All right, let's go on down here. It shall cleave in the midst. I read there in the, in the uh, 
uh, New Testament that he is going to tear down the middle wall of partition. There's a, been a dividing factor between the Jews and the Gentiles, and we meet in one in Christ. The Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half the mountain shall remove toward the north and half towards the south. You know, there's always been a separation between the elect and non-elect, between Jews, real Jews, spiritual Jews, and the rest. And Jesus said, what if God, willing to show his power, And he did. And they shall flee to the valley of the mountains, and to the valley of the mountains shall re- reach unto Aziel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in the day that the living water shall go out from the... I was really struck here too. This is not a stagnant pond. This is living waters. And how often do we find the Lord talking about that very subject in his gospel ministry? He's a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. If you knew who was talking to you, you would know that it's he that can give you living water. Well, it wasn't very long. It was revealed to her where living water really comes from, from the Lord. And it says, the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. That's an interesting title for the Lord. One. There's no difference between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in their desire to accomplish their eternal purpose and it will be carried out. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Gibeah to Rimon south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of uh, Hananiel unto the king's wine presses. The land shall be turned as a plain, and men shall dwell in it. You know, we're going to find another verse of scripture that says that every valley shall be exalted and every hill shall be made low. Now, when we looked at that one time, we saw, we saw, and it's been brought about, or brought to our attention by some of the old writers that said that this was what needed to be done yearly so that people could get to the cities of refuge without obstacle. And truly, every obstacle has been removed from the way to Christ. The only obstacle we face is ourself. And we're so thankful that he draws us to him. There is no obstacle in the way. There's no need for baptism. There's no need for works. There's no need for anything else. It is only by the grace of God that we're drawn to him. And then it tells us here, And the men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. 
And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. What judgment shall be upon all enemies of the church? He is speaking about everything shall be judged. And if we look at their feet, their eyes, uh, their body, it covers every aspect of natural man that are against God shall be judged. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them, and they shall lay hold every one of the hand of his neighbor, and the hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance, and so shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, of the ass, and all the beasts that shall be in these tents as this plague. What about all of those animals that we read of? They're all unclean beasts. They're a statement about don't put these, don't mix these with grace. And come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year. What? to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that who shall will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Judgment shall fall. Thou are doomed. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of the nations that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. In that day there shall be upon the bells of the horses. Look what the, the translators did for us in that verse of Scripture. Capital, 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 capital. Holiness unto the Lord. House shall be like bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and see them. Now notice this last part. And in that day there shall be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. No more unbelievers, no more false teachers, no more false preachers, no lies being told on God, it shall be done away. There shall be no more of the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. And that shall be, as we read in the book of Revelation, there shall be no whole list of people that will not enter in. Now, such are some of us. God said that. The Lord said that. Paul was used to write that. Such are some of us. That whole terrible list. But those who are never given grace and those who are never born again, they shall suffer the judgment of that very thing. There. All right. We're going to spend some time here in this book looking at chapter 14, and it may take us some time. There is so much in this chapter 
We have so much said about our Lord. We have so much said about judgment. We have so much said about the church. We have so much said about God consummating the whole world and having it finished up and done away with. We will stand before the Lord in great grace, worshiping the true and the living God. Now turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, we have these words that the Lord gave to his disciples. Matthew chapter 17, verse 10. Matthew 17 and verse 10, and we want to read down through verse 13 of this chapter. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? The scribes knew the verse. The disciples want to know what it means. <clears throat> Where do we go? Where did the disciples go? They went to the one who authored the words. And it says here, Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall come first. Now, what did we read over in the book of Malachi? That great and dreadful day. It's going to be a great day, a dreadful day. The cross means so much to some, and it means nothing to the rest. It says here, Elias shall truly shall first come and restore all things. Now, you know, I look through a glass darkly on that verse of Scripture. <laughs> Because I, I have some things I'd like to know about that verse. But he said he restored all things. The prophets were unto John. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Moses speaks about him there. Well, the prophets were unto John. Now look at this. But I say unto you that Elias is come already. Jesus speaking to his inquiring disciples the scribes have brought this verse of Scripture up. They can't give us the answer. Why? Because they're not spiritually understanding. But they brought it up. Tell me the answer to this. Tell us. And I send you that Elias is come already. And they, have, they knew him not. But they have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Now we're going to find out, as in everything... They did what they listed to, or wanted to do with John, but it was all according to purpose. The Lord's purpose is in here. John was ushered into the kingdom of heaven, the very presence of God as a result of that. Sometimes it looks like the way of escape that the Lord gives his disciples is that very thing. Taken out of this life, put in the presence of the Lord. All right, now let's read the rest of this. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. And when they were come into the multitude, there came a, man, a certain man kneeling to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. Well, we're going to stop there. The point I want to make here is that there has much been said about John the Baptist, even in the days, or excuse me, Elias, even in the days of the Lord. And Jesus Christ cleared that mystery up. 
he said, Elias has already come, and the disciples understood that the forerunner was John the Baptist, and he would restore all things. Well, we follow the ministry of John the Baptist, and he was preaching the gospel. Well, Zechariah is going to be doing the same thing as that coming of that great and terrible day of the Lord. Elias, John the Baptist, came and he preached the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Grace, 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 the same thing that has always been preached. There are a number of times that that subject is brought out here in the book of, uh, in the Bible about John being the forerunner. Isaiah spoke about it. So as we look here at the book of, of uh, Zechariah chapter 14, we're going to find out that it is not different at all. It may have hard sayings, but it is, as we read over there, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is interesting to me that in this book of Zechariah, in this last chapter, there are seven times that it says, in that day. Now, we have some idea of what that day is. That day is the day of the Lord. That's the day the Lord has been active. I look back, I shared today in an email to a lady about being raised in religion, having a preacher call me to preach, pastoring in a false church, hearing the gospel and saying, I hate that man. And then realizing God did me the greatest favor in the world to let me hear something that has been hidden to most. The natural man receiveth not the things of God. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And I pray that this is our prayer as we go through this 14th chapter of the book of Zechariah. John chapter 12, verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Greeks, certain Greeks. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, I thought that was an interesting comment that the Lord brings up here when people ask to see him. Well, I hope we can see in this book of Zechariah, chapter 14, the hour is come that the Son of Man might be glorified. And also, if you'll turn with me to John chapter 5, the same thing that we read here in John chapter 5 is brought up with the book of Zechariah. By way of introduction, John chapter 5 and verse 46. 
Jesus is speaking to some Pharisees, some religious people, and he tells them here in uh, verse 45 and verse 46, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, had you believed Zechariah, had you believed Malachi, had you believed Numbers, had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. Why? For he wrote of me. Had you believed Zechariah, you would have believed me. So when we go through the 14th chapter of the book of Zechariah, I want us to be reminded, since we believe Zechariah, we're going to believe what the Lord has to say. And then it goes tells us in verse 47, but if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Well, as we go through this last chapter of the book of Zechariah, let's keep in mind, Zechariah wrote of Christ. The message that we find here is the message of Christ. And the people of God, the elect, are going to be given great glory and judgment shall fall on the rest. What if God willing to show his power made some vessels for destruction? And that's what he's going to bring out in here. But on the converse of that, since you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, you shall be with me and even the horses shall have holiness unto the Lord written on them. Everything will have holiness unto the Lord, even a horse. We're going to stop there tonight. We're thankful for you joining us by Zoom. We hope you'll join us as we study the rest of this chapter and go on to something else eventually.